Swagoo and Perk, an ESPN podcast led by its namesake hosts, Marcus Spears, that's Swagoo, and Kendrick Perkins, that's uh, Perk. We've got new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journeys, and their can't-miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. have a different show for you here. Just got back from All-Star Weekend in Cleveland. I did this a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, um, where I had some opportunity to sit down at All-Star Weekend with um, all of the guys who were in the Rising Stars game plus a couple of all-stars, plus some guys who were in the three-point contest and the dunk contest and the all-star game coaches. In all, it was like 25 interviews uh, over two days. And so I have some of them and some pieces of them here um, that I thought you might enjoy. Uh, there's some outtakes in there before we you know, technically turned on uh, the, uh, the cameras. This was a, a studio setup where I was talking to all these folks uh, in a sit-down situation for SportsCenter uh, and other projects at ESPN. I asked them all kinds of questions that would end up maybe on, in use in five or six different things, features and stuff like that. But also I wanted to you know, talk to them for uh, the Hoop Collective pod. So you're hearing snippets of some of these conversations and uh, hopefully you will enjoy them. Uh, I wish I could have used more guys. I had some great conversations with some uh, guys, but you know we can't run it all. And trust me, it was hours and hours and hours on end. It was a, a lot. You would uh, uh, definitely not want to hear all of it. But um, first up was one of the first guys I interviewed um, last week, which was uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who was just getting used to uh, being called Tyrese Halliburton from the Indiana Pacers and um, was especially enlightening about what it was like when the Pacers told him he was basically their new franchise player. So here's Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, okay, we've got uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Indiana Pacers. Are you used to uh, hearing that yet? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting used to it for sure. What do you do with all which this is just a basic question. Your whole wardrobe has got to have been King's gear, right? Yeah, yeah. And like all your family, I'm sure, King's gear. I mean, the NBA is a wash in gear. So my question, now what? Yeah, so it all goes in boxes. Uh, you know, for me, all my teammates have already had all that stuff, so I really just give it out to to friends, I guess, okay. and then my girls just gave it all to to, to her friends still in Sacramento. So, you know, we just got rid of it all. So we were talking to Davion and he said that when you sent out the text the, on the group chat, the group chat, people thought you were joking. Like you were, and I know you probably talked about this a lot of times, but I mean, it is one of the more stunning trades we've seen in the NBA in a while. Um, what was that day like for you? Overwhelming. I think that's the, 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 the word that comes to mind. Um, did not see that at all. There was no indication, no, yeah. like nothing. I got nothing towards me that made me think that that was going to happen. It was probably the last thing I thought was going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, it happened so fast. It went from call from my agent at like 10 a.m. and 
traded at 10:30. So it, so you had like a half hour to like process it before we heard. But I, I got a call from my agent saying you might get traded. Oh. So I called my girlfriend in my room. I'm like, hey, it's possible that we could get traded. Play the Timberwolves tonight. So the deadline's in two days. Who knows what's gonna happen? Let's not overreact. We'll just see what. And so I didn't really. I still didn't think that it was necessarily gonna happen. You know, I thought it was. These were still like, these were more rumors than anything. And then I was traded. So uh, it was a crazy day. Uh, very challenging just because of all the relationships I had in Sacramento. But, um, you know, life goes on. So you guys obviously knew there were three guards. Obviously, three guards have worked in the NBA and they were working on three guard lineups and stuff. But you guys did talk amongst yourself. Davion told us that one of us could get traded. And when you had those conversations, were you thinking, well, one of us could get traded, but it, but it won't be me? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. I, I, I had no, no thought ever crossed my mind that I was yeah. going to get traded, honestly. And that's probably the, the problem. You know, that's probably a problem for me. But being 21 years old and I guess just being naive to the business, I definitely thought there was a 0% chance. I, I was not worried at all as the deadline approached. I thought I was perfectly fine. And... Um, you've seen a lot and just, it feels to me like you've been in the league for longer than two years. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's a re relation to the, because of the pandemic that it feels longer. Yeah, yeah. But you've seen a lot in two years. We have a mid-season coaching change and now a trade. Um, what is your, like, if you were, you know, we, we, we have some Julie Ignite guys here. If you were giving them like, hey, here's what you should get ready for. What would you say about the early NBA experience? That's a good question. I would just say keep your eyes open and your ears open. You know what I'm saying? Just pay attention to what goes on. Uh, you know, listen to what people have to say. You know, that, that's probably the most important thing. And, and, and understand that nobody's bigger than the business. You never know what could happen. Um, you know, I, I still believe that as players that, that, that we should, you know, be invested in our communities, be invested in, you know, our organizations, be invested in people because I believe that's that's where you, you know, create the best relationships and have the best experience in the NBA. Uh, but understand that at the end of the day it's a business and, you know, that stuff don't matter when it right. comes to people want to keep their yeah, jobs. Yeah, I mean, look, the word in my world was, like, Tyrese is not available. Like, I guess maybe for Ben Simmons, but even then it was like, no, he's not available. So, I mean, I feel you. Um, you've had a couple of real high assist games since you've gone to Indiana. I know Brogdon has been injured, but do you see that as like, now that you're gonna have the ball in your hands, maybe even more than before, like, do you see yourself being this kind of like 20 point, 15 assist guy on some nights? Cause that's what you're kind of doing right now. Yeah, I, I, yeah, for sure, no question. Uh, I think even in my last, you know, month or two with Sacramento, I was consistently, you know, getting the high assist numbers. Um, you know, I think next year with the ball in my hands, I think you'll see me at the top of the, you know, towards the top of, of, of the assist category. Right, right there with CP is the, is, is the right. hope. But, um, yeah, I'm just trying to make the right play. And I think, you know, my best capability as a basketball player is, is facilitating and getting guys shot. So, um, you know, I think I think you could definitely see some of those in the future. So you just went from the situation when you thought you were really invested in long term. You get to Indiana and you hear like the leadership say, here is our lead guard for the next decade. <laughs> like that's amazing for them to say that or, or long term, whatever they said. It's amazing for them to say that. And, you know, I'm sure they would love for you to be invested in that. Have you 
Can you believe that? Are you there to believe, like, okay, I'm now going to be a pacer for uh, the next 12 years? <laughs> That's a great question. I get that all the time. Uh, I think the biggest thing was just me being honest, right? Yeah. They sat me down. They said that. And I said, guys, I've heard that before. You know what I mean? Like, no, nothing towards you guys, but I've heard that before. And I think my biggest thing is, and I, I think Harrison Barnes has been really good for me to talk to, been a really good person for me to call and have conversations with. I think the biggest thing for me is not getting stuck in franchise centerpiece or the main guy or whatever. That's to me, that's like clickbait, and that's for for the media to talk about. Like, I see myself as somebody who's going to be a part of the core of the Pacers moving forward. Um, but I don't buy into all that stuff. I just, you know, I I understand that they have invested a lot in me. They traded a two-time All Star for me. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, it's just basketball. So I just, I got to just, you know, stay on what I do. And, and that's all I can control at the end of the day. So um, where do you, what, now that your situation is different, you talked about, you know, maybe having some higher level assists because the game's going to be different. Where else are you working to maybe display some things that, just because they were in sack and the situation was there, what other parts of your games do you think, the game, do you think you can maybe push forward that maybe was being just, not held back, but wasn't as visible. Yeah, I think just you know scoring the ball at a higher level. I think now that you see my assist numbers going up so high, teams are kind of playing the pass at times. So I'm just got to keep them honest and and put the ball on the basket as well. Um, you know, I feel like in, in Indiana they're expecting me to do that. Um, not to say like in Sac, not to say at all in Sacramento that there were right. that I felt like people were saying, you know, hey, shooting too much or whatever. That that ne never felt that way. Right. But in Indiana, it's like. I'm expected to shoot that many right. times, you know what I'm saying? So just staying aggressive. Yeah, I think they, they're they really invested in you. I mean, SAC was invested in you, but they are really, really invested in you now. So. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, this was the first time I had the opportunity to meet Anthony Edwards from the Timberwolves. Um, to say that uh, he his reputation for being confident uh, carried over into this interview is an understatement. Um, here's some of the stuff that we talked about. All right, we've got Anthony Edwards from Minnesota Timberwolves. Do you feel like uh, you and Carl could really do something special as a, as a group, as a pairing? Yeah, for sure. Because um, we're dynamic together. Uh, his shooting ability and my ability to get to the rim is just it's hard to stop. So he's in the three-point contest. Right? Yeah, he's going to win it. Man. I'm not surprised you say that. No question. Has he been practicing it? He'll need to practice it. <laughs> he can <laughs> shoot, man. He can shoot. I ain't never seen nobody shoot like that. And so, so where are you, like, do you give him any uh, words of advice or anything like that? I mean, do you, like... All the time. All the time. Wait, what's your relationship with him like? like uh, we got the best relationship because um, we can talk to each other. Like, tell each other, hey, I think you should be out there doing this. I think you should be doing this. And we're, we're not, like, going at each other like, oh, you should be... We just talk to each other and tell each other what we see, and we go out there and do it. And if it don't work, then we be like, we tried it. Then if it do work, we stick with it. Did you guys develop a friendship pretty quickly? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you guys hang out off the court a little bit? Yeah. I know he's a big. He likes to play video games. Do you guys love video games? Uh, he loved the golf. You know? <laughs> do you play yeah. golf? No, nah, I don't golf. Uh -huh. But I, will. I heard he hits the hell out of it off the tee. Yeah, I mean, but he, you we know, play video games but all the time. You're a good athlete. Maybe you should try golf. Yeah, I do everything. That's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. I've heard about your exploits. When you were a kid, I know you're a good baseball player. What else did you play? Everything. 
Everything. Anything hockey. you can name, I played it. They would love it if you played hockey in Minnesota. Yeah, they would love me. <laughs> would, you, yeah. would you be good at skating? They would love me if I played anything. <laughs> could you skate, do you think? I could do everything. You could go do a, tri- a triple jump right now. I can do everything. <laughs> no, you can't. When you were a rookie, did they give you uh, any rookie duties? Nope. They knew better. They didn't say, go get Chick-fil-A no. for the plane? No. Would they you knew s- better. If they said that, would you just be like, no? I would have told them to go get Chick-fil-A. <laughs> well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, no, nah, they actually didn't know. That's what I was telling them about this year. Like, man, you know y'all ain't make me do nothing last year. Maybe because it was COVID. You got off the No, nah, they just knew better. I think, <laughs> I think that's the main thing, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to you being on ice skates. I can't wait to see that. Uh, it's going to be dope. There. I won't fall. <laughs> um, did you have a moment when you first got to the league where – Somebody tried to send a message to you with like a hard pick or a hard foul, like, okay, rookie number one pick, I'm gonna show you. I think I think my moment wasn't like none of that. My moment was with Pat Bev. It's funny because he's on my team now. Uh, we played the Clippers, and I was talking to Rondo. He was like, "Hey, Rondo, I want some of him, like you know," and I told him. Yeah, you ain't played every time we played y'all. What's up? You know, and it was just that little quick inter, um, exchange. And after that, it was funny because he ended up getting traded to Minnesota, and we was talking about it. And it so did he ever that. guard you? Nah, we um the one time I'm one and over him right now. So I mean I'm up <laughs> on him, and, he, and if he tell you something different, he lying. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like to play with him? It's the best thing ever, man. To yeah. have somebody out there who you know want to win just as much as you. So who is a better trash talker, you or him? I don't trash talk. I don't talk like on the court. He's the worst. He's yeah. He's the best at what he do. Yeah. Do you do you see him? Because I feel like I've watched him get inside guys' heads. Yeah, for sure, all the time, all the time. Without even happen? playing before before the game start. Yeah. <laughs> so he's out there pregame yelling across the court, and he's getting in guys. He might just stare at him, and that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> he crazy man. What do you think about him and Westbrook's beef? I don't know nothing about their beef. I didn't know they had beef. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so he just signed up for another year. Were you guys excited to see Man, that? Man, we was happy. We, we all, so they was texting in the group chat, and I'm like, what are they talking about? And then I, somebody sends it to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, cheese. So he know what that means. Yeah, well, he got yeah. taken care of. It was a good deal no, for him. For sure. So do you think he's made a difference on you guys defensively? Because you guys are better. He made a difference overall, like within the organization, like from the people who work in the offices to the players. When you heard you guys traded for him, what did you think? I just smiling from ear to ear. Called my, called my trainer like, hey, yeah, I told you I was going to the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> and because you, you think he can help you? Yeah, for sure, team. yeah. We needed that. We needed that voice. I just think it, on a team like yours that has a history of not making the playoffs and the fans are a little beaten down and the organization. I have nothing to do with that history. Right. So when people say that, I, I, don't, I don't really feel that because I, I just got there. So I didn't make the playoffs for that one year. That's my history right. with the Timberwolves. I don't know about their previous or whatever they had going on, but I had one year. And my history now is we're going to the playoffs after my first year. And, like, I think that attitude can really help be infectious. Do you feel like? For sure. To everybody. I hope so. That's what I'm trying to do. All right, man. It's a pleasure to meet you. I appreciate Good it. Good luck. Nice to meet you. Take too. it easy. Yes, sir. Likewise. Have fun. Yep. So it was kind of funny that Jarrett Allen – uh, from the Cavs got uh, made fun of over the weekend for his fashion sense. 
because one of the things I was asking you about in what you're about to hear is what he spent the $100 million. What did he start to spend his money on? Um, and definitely one of them was not fashion. So um, it's funny. We did this interview on Friday right before his fashion got dragged. We've got Jared Allen, all-star, Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Um, when you got traded, right. did you think that was – Good thing, bad thing, I don't know. Uh, I'm going, I don't know. I didn't know what to think uh, of the Cavaliers. First, I didn't even know I was going to go to the Cavaliers. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to Houston. And then they threw Cavaliers in the mix. So I'm like, uh-huh, okay. You know, the only thing I knew was what Joakim Noah said. You know, no one goes to Cleveland on vacation. You're right. <laughs> uh, I can attest to that. Um, <laughs> And here's the thing, like, I've, I was talking to some other guys today who've been here, and they've mm-hmm. been like, the, you know, team, te- guys on teams that are struggling, and they're like, the Cavs are a, kind of an example, like an inspiration, because they were mm-hmm. a team that was struggling, and they turned it so fast. Right, right. So when you came to Cleveland, I mean, mm-hmm. they had a couple of young players, I mean, maybe, right. but, like, it, the future was kind of murky. Like, when you yeah. walked in, did you say, oh, yeah, this is where I'm going <laughs> to be playing and sign mm-hmm. a contract and I'm going to be an all-star. I mean, could that right. have even entered your mind? Uh, you know, I knew I wanted to play. I didn't know all the success was going to come after it. Yeah. But I always attest to when I was in Brooklyn, we had the season like we are having now. Not as good as right now, but we were bad the year before, but there was potential to get to a higher level. And when I first got to Cleveland, that's exactly what I saw, you know, the potential to improve to something better. When Obviously, you knew you were going to play with Evan because they invested mm-hmm. in you and they drafted Evan. Right. But when JB came to you and said, Lowry Markkinen is going to be the three, because <laughs> I thought he was crazy. I right. was like, what are you doing? Like, what did you guys think about that? You know, it was, it was a, a joke around the league at that point. You know, it was that, Taco Fall, at Davis, and then we just had big after big coming around. You know, every, everybody questioned it. I don't think that's something anybody can lie about. But no, once we started playing uh, open gym in like the summer, it's like, oh, this can actually work out. You know, like Larry's more comfortable at the three spot than he is at the four. I mean, Evan's a once in a lifetime player. And then I do my thing at the five and it actually worked out well. So what I've noticed is when teams play you guys, especially early in the season when they hadn't seen before, yeah. they obviously knew what the scouting report was. They obviously uh-huh. know that Evan is what he is. They're familiar with you. Right. But when they actually had to face the size, yes. I felt like it bothered them. Did you feel that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, people were driving to the rim more than they thought they stood a chance. And like looking at some pictures that the photographers take, it's like me, Evan, and Larry going to block a shot. And it's like there's no way you can shoot over that. So you definitely felt the disturbance in, in the paint. Do you like like to look at those photos? Do you go look at that stuff? I, every now and then, I find I just find it comical. I'm not oh, gonna really? lie. Yeah. Now, do you look at other players? Because you know, they for the nightly photo array, they have the game shots, but they also have all the players' fashion. Are you looking uh-huh. at the fashion too? Or are you? <laughs> not my fashion. Oh, okay. my, I don't You're know. not a fashion guy. <laughs> I was sweats in the sweatsuit. You know. <laughs> So you haven't spent some of your money on uh, clothes? No, no, I haven't. This is one of my best outfits. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it for today. You brought it for today. So, like, when you sign a contract like that, you know, obviously you don't get all the money at once, but, like, right. what do you – you have to treat yourself with something. It represents yeah. all the work for your whole life. Right. I don't, I don't want to spend it on anything 
just because it's there, I want it to be the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I haven't spent anything yet. <laughs> nothing so you crazy. You haven't bought anything? No, nothing. Did you buy a new car when you got your car? I already have my dream car. So. Which is what? Uh, Tesla Model X. Okay. I got that in what, 2019. So. Well, it is 2022. You could maybe upgrade to the newest model. But that's like that's my that's my baby. That's my that's my car. I like taking care of. Okay. <laughs> Did your teammates try to like get you to buy stuff? Like you should. I, I offered some team dinners. You know, okay. the team's going out. I'll, that's nice. I'll throw my credit card in the middle. You know, be the good guy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Um, so I noticed you've got an Android phone. I do, I do. Does it bother your teammates? Does, are you the only holdout in the, in the group chat? Uh, so it's funny, I actually had to get an iPhone, uh, have an Android and an iPhone, just because they wouldn't let me in the group text. Like sometimes <laughs> it'd be like, Jay, why weren't you at the event last time? <laughs> Like, what event? I wasn't in the group text because <laughs> they want all blue messages. <laughs> you're darn right, and I frankly support that position. <laughs> oh man, you're one of them. You're so, so you have uh, you have an iPhone just so that you're just for a group text just iPhone. Just because of the group text, yes, yes. <laughs> so, like, did you try to hold your ground for a while on that and be like, uh, I'm I'm yeah. not I'm not bowing to your peer pressure? It went for about three and a half years, and then I had to cave in. I had to cave in. Yeah, so best Brooke Lopez is a big believer in the Android phone. He, he doesn't cave in, and it's cost uh, him missing learn. team events. Uh -huh. And he's like, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I need to, I need to take more notes from him. I know. Hey, before I talk to Desmond Bain, um, let me just squeeze in a little message here. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. This is an interview I was really looking forward to doing. Desmond Bain of Memphis Grizzlies. Um, really one of the players, one of the young players I like in the league. Again, my first chance to meet him in person. And um, a guy who's very confident about himself and feels like he's been overlooked pretty much his whole life, even though I think he's doing just fine. Did you really only have one Division One? scholarship offer one high major like, offer yeah. a high major yeah okay. one high major I was major. like there had to have been like yeah I had some small schools Mac teams yeah exactly that's all I, I had all like the whole Mac basically yeah but yeah other than I mean that, Ball State did not let you get out yeah of yeah, yeah okay so I was yeah. reading I was like now I know he's <laughs> overrated yeah. or overlooked uh, but he wouldn't be that overlooked yeah uh, yeah you have a lot of family coming I do tomorrow yeah they get a four hour drive or yeah something? something like that yeah yeah, yeah exciting 
I'm from here. Are you? And uh, I don't live here anymore, but when I think, when you said Richmond, Indiana to me, you know what I think of Richmond, Indiana? What? RV capital of America. Yeah, there is hella RVs <laughs> over there, Tom Raper. Yeah, they would play these commercials late at night when I was a kid. Yeah. They would show a, um, a star in the middle of Indiana, say, we're at the middle of crossroads of <laughs> Richmond. If you were from here, you thought Richmond, Indiana is where they sold RVs. Yeah. That's what you thought. <laughs> Ready? All right, we've got Des Bain, Memphis Grizzlies. I'll call you Des. Yeah, that works. Okay. My guess is you're happy to be here. Are you Most happy definitely. to be here? Most definitely. Thankful, um, excited, all that. Did you feel that this season was coming from you and your team? Um, I knew I knew it was going to be different. Um, you know, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. Um, you know, obviously we lost JV, lost Grayson, two guys who were vital pieces of our rotation last year. So I didn't know exactly what it would look like. Um, you know, I knew my role would increase a bit. Um, coach had told me that I was going to have an opportunity to be in a starting lineup. So I knew I was going to be featured a little bit more, but I didn't know, um, you know, how much or what my role was going to look like. But um, you know, I've, I was ready for it. So you didn't get to the Rising Stars roster last year, but you did make all the all-rookie team. Mm -hmm. And I thought, if I remember correct, you correct me if I'm wrong, I felt like right off the bat you looked like you were reasonably comfortable in the league. When did you know, I'm going to be okay? That first preseason game. Really? Yeah, during training camp, my head was scrambling. It oh, was, really? It was bad, real bad. But, um, you know, we got to that first preseason game, and I think I had like 10 or 12 points, you know, just making open shots, cutting without the ball. And I was like, if this is my role, you know, I feel like I'm more than capable. Um, you know, and then from there, it's just about building upon that. So were you nervous in training camp? Oh, like, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nervous and just like – Everything was happening so fast. I mean, I got drafted like a week, week That's or right. two before. I so I get down there. My girl had just got COVID. So oh, there was yeah. just a bunch of a bunch of stuff going on. And then, um, you know, I go into camp and I didn't know anybody, of course. And um, everybody fighting for a spot. So yeah, the roster know. was kind of full. Exactly, right? a bunch of guards. You know, I didn't know what my opportunity was going to look like or, or anything like that. And Justice Winslow had had an injury, so there was opportunity for me right away. And uh, you know, the rest is history. What were your first impressions with Ja? Seeing Ja playing with him every day, like even in those practices. Just a, a good leader. Um, you know, I mean, I was shooting, and he telling me keep shooting. Um, you know, helping me walk through the plays. Obviously, all the high flying, um, all that stuff that he does, super athlete. But I mean, he's a really underrated leader and um, team guy for sure. You guys have so much fun playing together. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you guys talk about or did it just develop? I mean, it's not normal to see that in the NBA. I don't it's think. just us. I mean, I don't even like it's not like we we preach it. I mean, coaches always talking about, you know, play carefree, play for each other and all those things that a lot of coaches say. But, um, you know, it's just kind of within us. I mean, I really don't know how to describe it. So. Your season this year, I know you've talked a little bit about like trying to prove some stuff. Mm -hmm. Is that does that really drive you? Is that like is that something's like is that something you just say to 
No, nah, I mean, I, t I take it personal. I mean, I, I feel like I'll take, um, you know, going 30th in the draft personal, not making a Rising Stars game personal. Um, you know, I mean, there's things on a day-to-day -day basis, um, you know, that I can find motivation with. I'm just a guy that um, doesn't really need any outside stuff to, to get me motivated. I've kind of been that way ever since I was a kid. I mean, growing up in Richmond, Indiana, a small town of like 30,000 people, you got to fight for your respect, um, you know, and that's, that's what I've been doing my whole life. Yes, I mean, like, a lot of guys talk about the draft night thing, like, it sticks with them for years on mm -hmm. end. Do you think that'll be that way for you? Did it most was definitely? It, the I mean, experience it, was that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was sitting there on the couch, and I mean, all the teams that you know I interviewed with and told me how much they loved me and I fit the role of what they were looking for, um, you know, and passed up on me. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to forget that for sure. Do, when you when you played in college and you thought about the NBA, did you sort of see? I have this size, I can shoot a little bit. Because mm -hmm. you shot, what would you shoot at your senior year at TC, like 45% on threes something or something like, like that? that? Like, yeah. You would think that this is like, this is what every team in the league wants, guys sure. who want to defend. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to come out my junior year. Um, I wanted to leave early, just I shot 40% my first three years. And I had, like you said, I had good size and kind of understood um, what my role was going to be. And I think that's the biggest part of it. Um, when that process happened, why did you go back? I st I'll never forget. I sat down and I was being interviewed by a few teams at a PBC, like little combine camp. And I was asking everybody, like, do you think I should go back to school? And everybody else was kind of give me like a roundabout answer and this one scout from the Utah Jazz was like you need to go back to school he was like you're not getting drafted like you might get a two-way but I mean if you go back to school you know you'll have a chance to get better be on you know focused on national television and it'll be good for you and I was like all right and I went back to school so you appreciated him saying that well I saw him I think I saw him the first time we played Utah and I told him, I was like, that's the best decision I ever made and thanked him for it. But yeah, I mean, he was the only one that kept it kept it real with me. Do you appreciate that when people keep it real with you? 100%, I mean, yeah. there's no reason, you know, to, to do otherwise. So you've just put together some terrific games this year. And I've just noticed that the respect for you has been growing. Do you feel on the court guys respecting you more? A little bit, I mean, you know, I'm never going to say that I got everybody's respect just because that's just who I am, you know. I, but, um, you know, I think my teammates and, you know, our organization and, you know, some some guys that I may have played with before and I'm crossing paths with in the, in the league now are kind of respecting me. But, you know, I still know that I got a long way to go. Do you, do you look at yourself as a star player? Uh, I mean, I look at myself as a winning player. Um, you know, first and foremost, I feel like you can put me on, um, you know, any team in the league and I'm going to have a winning impact. So whatever you want to call that, you can call that. But I, I feel like I'm a winner. So you guys started out kind of rocky this yeah. year. And your defense was way down. I remember looking at one point, you guys were 28th or 29th. And that's not who you guys were no. last year. What, what happened? We had a, a team meeting. I think it was in uh, New Orleans or, or Utah. And um, we we're like, we, what team do we want to be? You know, do we want to be that team that comes out and 
plays well some nights, doesn't play well other nights, you know, kind of up and down, uh, find ourselves towards the bottom of the standings. And, um, you know, we changed a few defensive principles and things like that, kind of went back to the things we were doing the previous year. And, um, you know, it's changed our season. Who was who were the leaders of that meeting? I, it was real player-led. I mean, Dylan Brooks was speaking up a lot. Um, I was speaking up. Ja, of course. Um, Jaron was speaking up. So it's all you, it was everybody. Yeah, and that's, and that's why our team is who we are. I mean, we believe in everybody. We trust in everybody. Uh, everybody's word holds weight, um, you know, regardless if you're playing or not. Santi Aldama was somebody who was speaking up a lot in that meeting, and he's probably appeared in five to ten games this year. Yeah. But that's just who we and are. It like, and it really made a difference. Because I mean, you hear player meetings all the time. Yeah. You know? And this, this, I mean, it changed our season. I mean, there's, it was right around Thanksgiving, and I mean, since then, I think we've only lost six or seven games. So you guys have a lot of great road wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that that's a mentality, obviously, but like, is that something you guys are proud of? Most definitely. I mean, I think that that's a sign of great teams. I mean, good teams win, you know, at home, protect their home court, and great teams, um, you know, can do it in other people's buildings, and we've been doing that all year long. So I had a good opportunity to uh, also talk to Monty Williams. Um, Monty was, this was, this was a great conversation. A lot of it we chopped down. Um, I was also asking him about Greg Popovich, who, who is soon to uh, set the all-time record for most victories in a coaching career. Um, and all that stuff is being saved for later. Um, Monty was very, as usual, very insightful. And uh, I wish I, I wish I had more time with them. Here's uh, my conversation with Monty. Does Brian look a little hot there? Always. There you go. <laughs> Those are phrases that should be put in lights. <laughs> put it on the ticker on ESPN at the bottom. No when horse is hot. <laughs> Quote always. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Got Monty Williams here, Phoenix Suns. Um, I remember when you were regarded as like sort of the young coach who was like close to being a player, and now you're like <laughs> literally a gray beard, where like the players quote your sayings <laughs> like your grandpa. When did that? When did that happen? I, it's hard to say, man. Um, I think when I got to Phoenix. It became whatever it is, but even before then, um, (laughs) when I was in Portland, we had guys like Jared Jack on the team and Travis Outlaw, and they would make fun of some of the things that that I said from time to time, and I I would just look at them like, shut up and let's get shots. You know, I don't want to hear it. And um, then when I got to Phoenix, we'd be in film sessions and I would say something and all the guys would just start looking at each other. And I didn't know what they were doing, if they were making fun of me or if they were like playing around. And then they'd start repeating it. And even the coaches would be like, you know, laughing. And so it just started to become whatever it is. Um, I, I just try to speak from the heart. There's certain things that come up at times, and I'm trying to make a point to the guys, and for whatever reason, they've grabbed a hold of it, and I think they see my heart. I think they see I just want them to to do well, and um, never 
planned on any of that stuff. I just, you know, I'm just trying to help guys get better. Yeah, I mean, it can be funny, but when you hear guys, especially under stressful times, refer <laughs> to what you're saying. I mean, to me, it's, it's a window, Yeah. Uh, I feel like. When you see them, you know, speaking publicly sure. about it, was that meaningful to you? It is. I mean, when I hear our guys say everything counts or well done is better than well said, um, I'm blown away by that. I really am. And I try to do it in part uh, the same way, but I usually mess it up because they'll, they'll have like things that they say from facts, and big facts yeah. and all these other things that they say. And I'm like, I try to add it to, you know, my vocabulary and they always look at me like, coach, wrong context. <laughs> well, <laughs> so. well done over greater than well said is it's, it's a cool and it works nicely on your hat. Yeah. But I like Don't Get Happy on the Farm. Yeah. I feel like Don't Get Happy on the Farm was one of the, <laughs> like, the slogan of last year's run. <laughs> Phoenix Suns, Don't Get Happy on the Farm. Yeah. Um, and, like, it was a, like, a, you could tell they weren't just saying it, I feel like. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, I, I, I assume that when your veterans buy in that that helps because still to get good veterans. It means the world to your program. Um, it's not that the young guys don't know or don't understand, but when they hear the, the veteran guys buy in, then they're like, okay, there must be some substance to that. And, um, you know, Chris and Jay and JaVale, they've all been that way. Book, you know, I have had Book's family or people from his crew come up to me and <laughs> tell me about some of the things that I say. Um, as a coach, you can get emotional about it because I think as much as we love winning, there's nothing like showing up at a gym knowing that you got 15 to 17 guys that are with you. And you can walk into Golden State, you can walk into Utah, you can walk into any place in the, in the league and feel confident because you know that your crew has your back. And, and those are the moments that you get emotional about. Because I, I, for me, like I told our guys, I said, everybody can win with a group. I told them, I said, I, I love you guys because I know I'm okay with losing with you. And I wanted them to understand that's how much I love them and care about them because they commit to our program every day. When you came back from your coaching hiatus, were you concerned you wouldn't get a second chance to be a head coach? Yeah. Um, just because of the way it ended in New Orleans, um, <clears throat> the things that were said about me, um, I hadn't done much, you know, for everything that was talked about. Like, I'd never won a playoff series and never won 50 games or any of that stuff, you know. So I was concerned, but it was limited because it was out of my control. And I always go back to the fact that I, I don't have a right to be a head coach. Uh, this is a get to and not a got to. And so as much as I was concerned about it, I also had to be human and real and understand that I had my shot. Not many people get to be a head coach one time. And I had done it one time. I did my best. It didn't work out. They went into a different direction. But yeah, I was concerned because I knew in my heart I could do some things better. I knew that I could make some changes 
um, personally that could help a program, but I didn't know I was going to get another shot. So when that shot came and you had multiple choices, I have to assume it was one of the biggest choices of your professional life yeah. to, to say I want that job. Yeah. It was really about a piece that I had after I prayed about it, and it's going to sound a bit different, but it, it had to be a good fit for my family just because, you know, we had already moved around a ton, and I didn't want to put them in a position where we would be in a place where they didn't want to live. Um, if it didn't work out, we'd have to jump and, and go back to, you know, Texas or wherever. But more importantly, I wanted it to be a community that um, resembled um, normalcy for them because my kids had already been through a lot. And so when James called, um, I, I knew James because I coached him in Portland, so I knew our value system would align. And because it was Phoenix and I had spent time there, you know, just being there, it was like, man, that's a place where I could live, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so it was more about, obviously, the team and, and, and Book. I mean, I was looking at Book way before he even knew who I was. I saw him on the select team with USA Basketball when I did that. And I was like, that dude's not afraid of anybody. <laughs> I was like, I can work with that. Um, and he reminded me so much of Brandon Roy. And there was no weakness in his game. And he was tenacious. And so that part was, that was set up. But the alignment with James, but, but more than anything, the peace that I had that my family could thrive in Phoenix um, was huge for me. Um, people have always talked a lot about how you coached Chris when he was a young guy and now when he's an old guy and how he's changed. But in what ways is he the same as he was when he was 21 or something like that? Competitive. I, I've not been – I mean, people talk about being competitive. I think they do it just because – They've heard Michael Jordan was competitive and he stayed up and all night playing cards because he was competitive. And that compet that those people get exposed sooner or later. You know how competitive a guy is when the variables are set against him and he just won't quit. And that's Chris. I I've seen him in situations where he shouldn't play. And no one knows how bad it is and how bad he's hurting. And he's still out there balling. Um, last year in the playoffs, like, he couldn't lift his arm up. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm hurting him. And I was, I was going to shut him down, like, personally. And he, myself, and James met. Um, and we just talked. And he was like, Coach, if I'm hurting the team, I promise you I won't fight you if you have to take me out, but just let me try. And I thought to myself, I'm like, who does that? You know, like his arm is dead. And then he comes out and he just hoops, you know. And everybody doesn't have that, and I don't. I mean, I, I'm, I could sit here and tell you, like, you know, I'm, I, mean, I know it because I have it. Like, I know it because I don't have it. I think I'm competitive. I think in, in, in tough situations I'll stand there, but I, I – I've never seen, for me personally, um, a guy with that kind of edge every day. 
and he's partnered with a guy <laughs> that has the same edge. And so you can imagine what our practices and conversations are like at times. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. And last up, uh, Eric Spolstra. And I have to say, Eric was in a really good mood, a lot better mood than I would have been. And we talked on Friday morning and he had flown in with uh, other people from the Heat delegation the night before after a double overtime game in Charlotte in the middle of an ice storm in Cleveland. Um, and when the plane landed at like 2 in the morning or 1.30 in the morning, the, the stairs, they, they pushed up stairs. It wasn't a jetway. They pushed stairs up to the plane, and the stairs were so icy that they were afraid that they, people would fall and get hurt. So they had to, to de-ice the stairs, and they were flying. They weren't flying a private jet like so many um, – uh, teams fly uh, so many people fly when they come in for the all-star game they were flying an airliner that they used to, to transport whole teams because the heat had a huge delegation because the coaching staff and their families and stuff so they just they got stuck they were stuck on the runway until they could get um, the, the stairs de-iced long story short I know too late it was 3 a.m before they were able to get off the plane but this was only a couple hours later and, you know, I covered Spo on a daily basis for four years. We go back a relatively long way. Um, we've had our stare downs and our battles, but this was a good conversation as I talked with him about how I've seen him change as a coach in the last decade. Are you having fun this season? Uh, yeah, you look, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily use that term. I fun, wouldn't either. That's why I'm know, asking but, him. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love the the craft of coaching and working with teams and, and players and, and all that and taking on monster challenges. So, yeah. You like taking on monster challenges. I feel like um, you have a monster challenge every year. Your teams from the start of training camp, the end of the season, almost every year seem like they go through the biggest journey. And I feel like you embrace that. Yeah, we have monster size expectations every year. That's never going to change. Um, you know, I've worked for the Heat now for uh, 25 years, and we've never had a year where we've gone into the season where Pat's not saying, hey, we got to figure out a way, like, you know, to compete for a title. And that's every single year. Uh, and some may look at that as, like, a, a great deal of pressure, uh, but those expectations are what drive us. You know, we love it, you know, the competition and – you know, trying to, to figure it out. It's the hardest thing that uh, any of us have to do as professionals is try to get a group together to compete for something, you know, bigger than ourselves, something, you know, really special. And you work 
really hard and I can see how hard, I feel how hard you work and I don't know how much, it can't be that fun while you're doing it, but it seems like that's what you, that's the way you want it. Yeah, uh, look, I would say we all feel most alive, you know, in this profession uh, and in the grind and in the middle of a season, um, even when it's, or probably especially when it's really tough. Um, so my viewpoint of you, could be wrong, is that in 2011, when you lost that finals, you felt like you left options on the table. And then my viewpoint is you've never wanted to ever end a season and feel like you left options on the table. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that the way that changed to the way you look at coaching? Uh, it definitely did uh, in terms of um, after that, that loss to Dallas. Uh, I really felt that I let the team down and the organization down. Um, you know, and we went through a lot where we had a lot of segments of, of improvement. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's what competition will do to you. It'll, it'll strip you down to your soul. Uh, and then when you're, you're on the losing end of it, uh, that's all you're left with is just all the regrets and all the missed opportunities and things you could have or possibly done differently. Uh, and I felt that I was, um, you know, probably inexperienced, you know, at that level. Um, it's different, you know, coaching in, in the first round of, of the playoffs than it is getting all the way to the finals. Uh, and Dallas was an extremely highly uh, well-coached team, you know, and they played great uh, off each other and everything, and, um, and they just exploited us where we were weak and, and, and took that all the way to the title. That, that was really tough to live uh, with, but, you know, ultimately that whole offseason – that just drove us as a coaching staff to, uh, to really work on our crouch and try to be better the next time if there would be a next time. From my viewpoint, you're, you've, what you've been able to do since then and the way you search for everything, you feel it as you're watching you go through these seasons. And I thought that was a big change. So it's a bad memory for you. I can see it when you talk yeah. about it. I don't yeah. even want to bring it up. <laughs> but I feel like it really, from my viewpoint, really elevated you as a coach. Do you feel that? Well, I think, that, again, that's what competition does. You know, um, you, you try to put your best foot forward, uh, and, and sometimes uh, you're all on the same page and you win, uh, and then the competition's going to get you at, at times, you know, and, uh, you know, you have to try to be, you know, humble enough uh, to at least recognize the things you, where you could have been better uh, and then really work on that. Uh, and then that's not going to be a guarantee that the next time, if there is a next time, right. but this, this business is hard, you know, trying to, to compete for a title is extremely hard. Uh, and so now, like, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a different perspective that, uh, you know, I've been able to experience a lot of different things, beautiful things with teams and, and players and staff uh, that I want to, you know, enjoy it or at least uh, I have incredible gratitude you know, for being around, you know, good teams. And, you know, we have a, a, a good team this year. Yeah. Um, I'm really appreciative of this group and grateful for the memories and experiences that we're all creating, you know, this, this year. Um, and hopefully it can end in, in something really special. I don't remember the Eastern Conference being this competitive. Maybe 20 years ago uh, when you guys were having your Nick battles and, were, and Jordan was still around. This is going to be a real fight, not only for positioning, but also for the postseason. And then last week we see a trade that changes a couple of teams. 
Do you feel that? Do you feel how tight and competitive the East is right oh, now? Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's, it's hard not to. Uh, this is the deepest uh, the East has been, or at least it's felt like, you know, since I, I've been head coach. Um, the East has taken a lot of criticism, you know, over the years. Uh, but that's just the nature of things. It'll, it'll swing back and forth, you know, depending, you know, on the year. And this just happens to be a year where there's some teams that have really geared up and, and there are more teams that are really trying to compete just for that, that title. Uh, and with those big expectations, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are disappointed, you know. And, and if you're a competitor, this is what you want. You want, you want the gauntlet. You want to be able to, to face the best and, and find out where you are and where you stack up. How much of a difference is having Kyle and PJ been for you oh, this year? I mean, they, they are such great um, organizational fits. And that's clearly why we went after them. But you never really know, you know, until they're uh, in your building. But they're everything uh, about us, and we're everything about what they're about. Uh, PJ Tucker, it's a he had to play in a Miami Heat uniform. Just who he's about, how he competes, how serious he takes uh, competition, um, you know, the wins and the losses, and does all the little things. It's all about, you know, our, yeah. our culture. And Kyle, I, I've admired him uh, for so long um, as a competitor, you know, because we've been on the other side of it. You know, I faced him, our teams faced him in, in a seven-game series, and you really got to see you know, how he can control uh, a series and, and find a way to come out on, on top. And uh, it was miserable going through it, um, but then, you know, I was able to step back, you know, with maturity. Um, it's just an incredible amount of respect for him as a winner. So Pop is closing in on the record. I think he needs three uh, or something like that, the all-time record. Um, you obviously coached against him in the highest stakes. Yeah. Uh, been involved with him in a lot of things. Is there like a memory that you have of him that is like that you will always hold um, just from the competition? Yeah, uh, one, we were extremely grateful uh, to have that opportunity on the biggest stage with two organizations and, and with the Spurs, uh, you know, we have such deep respect uh, for them. Uh, and we've always had it uh, where just how they operate and the professionalism, um, their care factor, uh, how they can be very just normal, you know, in this business where uh, that's not always <laughs> the case. Um, and just to be able to share that moment, you know, and uh, it's probably fitting that uh, we are two are able to celebrate, you know, an, an incredible uh, joy and, and celebration of a championship, but also have the heartache of a, of a tough yeah. loss. Uh, and. You know, that, that's, that's probably the way it should have been, you know, with the, the two organizations. But my most treasured memory would be this past summer, you know, just even working with him for those two and a half weeks, um, you know, with the USA program. Uh, you know, we can talk for days about uh, his Hall of Fame basketball credentials, but I, I just love him as, as a human being and how he makes you feel like you matter. And that's everybody in the room. That is a gift, that's a skill. His human uh, management um, uh, ability is, the, is you know, the best I've ever seen. And you've experienced the pop dinner situation where he controls the seating and the restaurant and the wine. Like It's so fun. It really is. It, it's not what you would expect of the great you know, uh, Coach Popovich. Uh, but then you, you get around a, a table, break some bread and some wine, uh, you have some of the best discussions uh, and just a really relaxed uh, 
uh, atmosphere. But again, he has that way of just making everybody feel like they're the most important person in the room. And that, that's probably what I respect and love about him the most. Uh, you and Pat, you and Pop, that's... I did, Someday they'll say, are they together? No, well, I did joke about it when, uh, because I've never been involved, really, uh, in the USA program. And that's yeah. why I was so uh, humbled and uh, excited just about the opportunity uh, yeah. to be a part of it. Okay, thanks for listening to the uh, Hoop Collective podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing from some of these uh, NBA folks. Um, we'll be back later this week with McMahon and Bontemps. And uh, thanks to my producer, Jackson, who... Um, Really had to work a lot harder than, than normal to put this together. And my producer on the ground in Cleveland, Shari Greenberg. You've probably heard her talking in the background, um, setting up the shots. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed.